Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about a tough loss to Old Dominion and perhaps another season on the NCAA bubble. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman. And our guest today is 2003 national champion and The Juice Online senior college basketball analyst, Andrew Cowie. Andrew, thanks so much for coming back on the program, and happy holidays. Same to you. Uh, definitely a tough loss against Old Dominion, but hopefully, uh, hopefully Tuesday can help us forget about uh, the Saturday loss. But we'll see, I guess. And Andrew, let's get started on that. Syracuse losing on Saturday to Old Dominion, sixty-eight, sixty-two. How bad of a loss was that in terms of the overall picture? Are we going to be forgetting about this loss in a few weeks, or is this going to be a loss that we're going to be ruining over come Selection Sunday? You know, it's a great question. It kind of depends on how Old Dominion does on their how they do going through their season. You know, if they if they end at the bottom of the conference or if they win the conference, um, that can kind of determine if it was a good or a bad loss. But I think obviously being at home, uh, you had a week off since Georgetown. So you probably had a good five or six days of practice. Obviously, I think it's a surprising loss um, against a team that we probably weren't expecting to lose to. So. Um, you know, Old Dominion, you know, played well. You got to give them credit, but you know, you could see um, some chinks in the armor at Syracuse in terms of just the fluidity of the offense and uh, just some out of sorts that you know caused us to really only score 62 points, which is not uh, not great. Andrew, perfect segue into my next question. You just talked about the offense being out of sync against Old Dominion. What's going on with them? If you're Coach Beheim and you played for him, what's he telling his team to get back on track? You know, I think a little bit, of, you know, when I was watching a game, and I don't have any inside information, but, you know, Frank Howard still, he doesn't seem like he's 100% or moving at a speed that's, that's 100% uh, when you watch the game. And I think when you look at the team, what they struggle with is other than um, you have Battle, who can kind of create it on his own, but that can sometimes be a struggle because people, um, you know, defense is kind of geared toward that, is Howard, we really need him to kind of, maybe beat the defender or create shots uh, for Hughes and other people for Brissett, um, and you need to kind of break down the defense, and that's where we're struggling. You know, you look at some of the stats, you know, of the games that we played, the highest uh, assist so far has been six, and that was against, you know, Northeastern. So, you know, it's a lot of – it seems like a lot of one-on-one, a lot of weave, dribble weave-off, and, and that creates more one-on-one. 
And I think when we, we Howard not being at 100% um, just doesn't, you know, that's where the offense struggles in kind of creating, uh, having to create your own shots. And I think what they're going to look for is ways to get easy baskets. How can they get um, quick baskets around the rim or, or easy open shots? And I, I think that's something that probably they're going to have to work on um, to to help this offense get going. Andrew, I'm glad you mentioned O'Shea Brissett because after a stellar freshman campaign, he's really struggled in his sophomore year. So what's going on with him? You know, tough to say, but you're right. I mean, I think it's just a matter of where he takes his game. We know he's high energy. You know, you know, if he misses a shot, he's he's quick off the floor to try to get his own rebound and put back. And he, he's getting, you know, it's not that it's not that beautiful, you know, Carmelo type of offensive player. It's a, it's a very scrappy, high energy guy. And I think what you know what we need from him is is that mid range game or that to be able to kind of okay, the last two minutes of the game, we can kind of run an ISO play for Brissett if it's either on the post or if he's got someone bigger guarding him, he can take him off the dribble. But those fundamentals in terms of pull-up mid-range, jab step, mid-range shot, um, I think is where we're going to need him to kind of develop and take his game um, to be a really effective offensive player, um, especially when it comes to needing a basket. Because we can't, we can't rely on battle because defenses know – that's our go-to guy, and they can kind of, um, you know, change their defense to really uh, kind of cover him to, uh, you know, not allow that one-on-one from him. Now, Andrew, you were on that 2003 national championship team where there wasn't a lot of offense coming from the center position with Jeremy McNeil and Craig Forth. You take a look at this team, and it's similar in that Pascual Chukwu and Barama Sidibe aren't giving them much offense. Do they need more from their big men? You know, I don't think so. I think the way the game has changed, and this is even in the NBA, you know, the center position is uh, someone there for a defensive standpoint, help defense, blocking shots, altering shots, you know, getting the offensive rebound and put back, you know, at a timely manner is, is really what you're looking for and, help, and would be helpful. Um, so I think it's just a more, it's really about the, the three big heads, you know, Battle, Brissett, and Howard, and how they kind of get the offense to be a little bit more fluid because that's going to help Hughes. So, you know, that's going to get him open shots. Um, and and when we can drive and create, you know, they they leave Hughes a couple times and he steps into a really nice three, gets knocked those a couple down. Now his guy can't leave him. That opens up the lane more for battle on Howard. So it's just you know being able to kind of break down defenses. A little bit better, I think, um, movement of the ball and less one-on-one, I think, gets the offense to flow a little bit better. Um, and then, you know, you're going to see, you know, points, you know, for a game get into the higher 70s and really into the 80s, which I think is what is what we need. Andrew, we'll get you out of here on this one. Do you see Syracuse figuring it out? Is this going to be a team like two years ago that had plenty of talent but couldn't put it together and miss the NCAA tournament, or a team like last year that figures it out at the right time? You know, I think I think we're, we're going to lean. You know, I'm an optimistic person, so I'm going to lean toward you know getting tournament and causing some havoc in the tournament, just because you have you have guys like you have veteran guys uh, like Howard and Battle and Brissett. You know, you know, sophomore is now considered uh, a veteran player uh, that just, they know how to be in tough situations. Ohio State was a perfect example. Georgetown's a perfect example. You know, we got wins that were not easy, 
and uh, and I think a lot to do with that was because of the leadership. But unfortunately, it is going to be a game-by-game situation. You know, I I can totally see us winning, you know, having a great performance against Buffalo on Tuesday, and then we play at home uh, Arkansas State, and if they were to lose that game, I wouldn't be shocked. And I think that's where the season's going to go is that, Every every game could be different, and it's going to be some ups and downs, and it's just going to be uh, a, a little nerve wracking uh, every game for for Syracuse fans, unfortunately. But but it means you can win every any game, but unfortunately, it means that you can lose any game. Andrew, awesome stuff. Again, 2003 national champion Andrew Cowie and the Juice Online senior college basketball analyst. Great job as always. Enjoy the basketball season. We'll speak with you soon. All right, thanks, Wes. Talk to you later. Always enjoy speaking with Andrew and getting his insights, and I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, I spoke with Andrew about this in the A Block, and I want to speak to you about it as well. Syracuse with a disappointing loss to Old Dominion over the weekend. You were in press row covering that game. What's going on with this Orange team? Well, it was a tale of two halves as it was a week before against Georgetown. But in this game against Old Dominion, it was kind of flip-flop. Syracuse racing out to a 10-point halftime lead. And then things fell apart in the second half. And wondering what was going on, watching it in front of me, flat out, I just think Old Dominion wanted this game more, Wes. I don't know how to more capsulize it. And the attitude and comments from the Syracuse players afterwards and what you can imagine was a very quiet, somber orange locker room was, we have to be more intense for 40 minutes. And you may ask, well, they know that. Why aren't they intense for 40 minutes? Well, it's college kids. They had been off for a week. Uh, other things going on. They had a, had a pretty uh, good practice, I was told, on Friday afternoon. So it's pretty hard to figure out why they would come out not as intense 24 hours later against, let's face it, a team that you know was unheralded, not ranked in the top 100 from the uh, Conference USA, 7-3 uh, and three record, uh, that wanted the game more, flat out, wanted the game more in the final 10, 10 minutes of the ballgame, Wes. Brad, two things I'm seeing right now are big men's struggles and a lack of ball movement. They're not getting outside shooting going. They're not scoring. Do you see the same thing that I'm seeing? Well, we're seeing a repeat of what happened a year ago. There, there's just the assists. The basket ratio, uh, as you mentioned, the, the flow, the movement's not there. Players standing around, hoisting up three-pointers. Talked about that with Elijah Hughes after the Old Dominion game. And he said, look, I've got to move. I've got to get to the middle. I've got to create more opportunities for other guys to shoot threes. He said he wasn't a three-point shooter. I wrote about it in my column this week, an Archwatch column. Well, He leads the team in hoisting up three-point shots by 12. So he is a three-point shooter, and he's got to become more of the offense, which he admitted. So we'll see if that holds true against uh, Buffalo on Tuesday night. The other things I see are this. I think the team is too reliant on Tyus Battle. I think that's when Jalen carries in the ball game for Frank Howard. He's still learning as a freshman. Battle's the go-to guy. I think O'Shea Brissett, you know, he knows what he's capable of in scoring, as does Hughes. But in the end, I still think there's some deference to Ty's battle. And then you mentioned the problems in the middle. I talked about it with Barama Sidibe after the Old Dominion game, and he said, look, I'm doing the best I can. I'm still recovering from with my knees, my movement, my hands. 
doing the best I can is what he emphasized over and over. So it is what it is in the middle. And uh, when Merrick Delzai has to play, he hustles, he's scrappy. We know what he can do, uh, but he's undersized, and he gets bumped around under there. And then when it comes to the outside shooting, we all thought Buddy Beheim could come in and provide a spark. Well, what I'm seeing up close, and even in the games on TV so far, 10 games in, really hard for him to get his shot off that there's not a screen, natural ball movement in the flow of play, foot movement, the quickness, really going to be tough at the ACC level. That's what stands out to me so far. And, of course, he is the ninth player in minutes. So that kind of is apropos in what he's going to contribute or if there's going to be the right opportunities moving forward against certain teams. So there's a lot of work to do, and, and Buffalo's certainly not going to be an easy test. They're undefeated, a top 15-ranked team. Uh, Arkansas State struggled. They lost at Lehigh, as an example. But St. Bonaventure's going to be really tough. My point being, <laughs> these three last non-conference games are going to be really sharp tune-ups before it begins for real in the ACC on January 5th at Notre Dame. You know, Brad, I didn't think I'd be asking you this question at the beginning of the season, but here we are in the middle of the season. I'm going to have to ask you this question. Do you see Syracuse as a bubble team? Well, I think it's looking as it did a year ago. We were asking the same exact question, and, uh, you know, it took that run through the ACC and, and to get some quality victories. Let's face it, the old Dominion loss kind of wipes out the road win at Ohio State. So they're back to two other neutral court, court defeats uh, without Frank Howard and depending on what the committee, you know, puts that into the equation. Uh, and, and that's the other note. Let me just segue one second on Frank Howard, too. I wanted to add this, Wes. He's certainly not the same ball player as he was last year. I don't know if it's hesitation with the movement, with the with the ankle, with the leg, with that injury, but I, I noticed that hesitancy in his game. Uh, still has a pretty nice stroke to his outside shot. Hasn't been obviously as accurate, but that's the other thing I did want to mention in terms of the complexion of this 18-19 team compared to a year ago, even though all five starters returning. And then back to the bubble question with the record, well, it's really going to take, you know, nine and nine in the ACC, you know, 10 and eight type of thing. We, we know we're due, Virginia, North Carolina, and so far Florida State are. You know other teams on the same level of Syracuse are also going to improve as the season goes on in the ACC with their younger players like the Orange. So I, I see a question mark to your question. It, it does remain to be seen. We'll have a, 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 bit, a little bit better focus about a month from now in mid-January, but it's certainly a legitimate question. This team that needs to get going. It needs to hit its free throws. It needs to have the same type of intensity that they can show on a possession-by-possession basis, sometimes defensively, offensively now, and uh, to kind of get round into form to where all five players that are playing at a particular time contribute to get just enough points, which they did in their NCAA tournament wins to advance to the Sweet 16. Brad, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. I feel there's going to be an arms wave in Orlando in a couple of weeks, Wes, from the Syracuse game in the Dome against Old Dominion. The folks I've talked with, the sense of starved for a winner. And I think Syracuse fans are going to turn out, of course, a great location, Orlando, uh, easy, relatively easy place in Florida to get to as, as a tourist destination. So really looking forward to an overwhelming orange turnout at the Camping World Bowl uh, and well-deserved for the team, the seniors, and Dino Babers for the great 9-3 and season, nine and three season they've had. So really looking forward to a big orange out in Orlando in a couple of weeks. 
Brad, my closing thoughts are on former Syracuse punter Riley Dixon, now with the NFL's New York Giants. Dixon bobbled a snap on Sunday, but ended up rumbling up the field for 14 yards and a first down. Syracuse fans know what that's all about. Hashtag Dixon for Heisman, and now hashtag Dixon for Pro Bowl. That's it for us. For Brad Bierman, this is Wes Chang reminding you that one in every 10 words in this sentence is exactly. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Let's face it. Most people aren't making massive turkey feasts on the regular. And after 364 days of not thinking about it, it can be hard to get that bird just right. That's where Instacart, the holiday rescue app, comes in. From getting all the ingredients to prep a full seasonal spread to getting last-minute swamps in a turkey emergency, Instacart has everything a holiday host needs to save face and save dinner. And right now, if you download Instacart, you get free delivery on your first three orders and delivery in as fast as one hour. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.